All right. I got a little technology issues in here, so I'm working on it. Anyway, all right, let's, close, let's start with prayer. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word. We ask that word to have its way with us here in study, that we would see the truth um, of your gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins, which is ours in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hi, baby. I don't have the sheet, though. That's the key. Did you grab one? Do you need one? That's the wrong sheet. Yeah, that's not the right sheet. That was from catechism class. All right. Good one, it's okay. I might actually take the quiz. Take the quiz, yeah. see how you do. That's what we should do. Oh, that's like a condition for ongoing membership. Just to start giving you random catechism quizzes when you show up on Sunday. That'd be pretty much the end of the church. Okay, see you all later. I mean, we should be ashamed about it, but we can make light of it too. Alleluia, we haven't been singing Alleluia. Because it is the Gesma season, which is kind of a pre-penitential season. <laughs> like Lent is penitential. Gesma is getting ready to be penitential. Because, <laughs> you know, like Lutherans, uh, we can't be miserable enough. We have to make it a little bit longer. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> we really, yeah, I mean, we really don't do Lent like, it's not very severe for us at all. I mean, you go to the fish fry and you engorge yourself on Friday night. I mean, that's not really Lent. That's why you have fish on Friday, is so you can go have all-you-can-eat fish. When it's supposed to be a fast from red meat, but you don't really fast, you just engorge yourself on something else. That's a, it's a little hypocritical, yes. It is. It is. Thanks, Gabe. A lot. Um, but anyway, we haven't been doing the hallelujah, but we should know. Um, I don't know if I explain this. Yeah, you've got the right sheet. Alleluia. Uh, well, the way the, the service of the word goes is you've got Old Testament, then you've got a psalm or a brief psalm, which was the gradual, which I think we might actually, I know I accidentally put it in last week, but I think we maybe would let, because the service is going a little bit long. I want to still be able to preach the length I'm preaching, so we might use the gradual, which is usually like three or four verses of a psalm instead of you know, a whole song. I don't know. It's just a couple minutes difference, but every little couple minutes difference, I suppose, adds up. All right, and then you have an epistle, all right, which has a response, right? And that response is, well, it doesn't really have a response, so to speak. Epistle kind of stands on its own. And then, then you, the next part is the Alleluia, Alleluia, something like that. And, or it could be the, well, it usually has a verse attached to it, right? Verse, like, even in the services that don't have a verse that changes each week, it's going to be something specific. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, or um, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Those are kind of the two, like, like regular verses, they just change, they're the same every week. Depends on which service we're using. All right? Then there's the verse. Right now, there is the, the tract, which is basically a longer verse without an alleluia. Right? And then you've got the gospel reading. All right? Now, here's the important point. These two go together. 
So you, you probably noticed that this morning, right? The Old Testament talks about seed for the sower and bread for the eater, causing the things to sprout. And then we sang in the psalm about rain and growing things and whatever. So they, were, they go together. A lot of times the psalm is actually going to answer a question that the Old Testament asks. So you want to pay, pay attention to these two because they go together. And the psalm usually does it better than the gradual because the gradual is not long enough really to do much. There's the epistle, and then, then this is actually, uh, this is like traveling music almost. <laughs> now you laugh about that, but we got to get from place A to place B, right? So uh, historically what would happen is the pastor would go from wherever he's reading the epistle, or where, wherever he is, if somebody else is reading the epistle, to wherever the gospel needs to be read. Well, what do you need to do that? Traveling music. Traffic music, walking music. Uh, and when, when there's a bigger feast or festival, like when the gospel is read in the sanctuary, there's going to even be a longer piece of music there, which is called a sequence. And it usually has an hallelujah in it, and then there's other things. Um, we've done a sequence hymn. We didn't do this last year, but two years ago, no, three years ago, well, two years too, even though it was on video. Weird. Two years ago, we did a long hymn throughout Easter that got us from that altar, got me out to the middle of the sanctuary. But our sanctuary is not that big, so the hymn was too long, and I didn't take, I was there with like one verse in. <laughs> it was three verses long. Anyway, so sequence is another one. I'll just put it here. All right, now, here's the point. The, the verse, the track, and the sequence, those direct you to the gospel. So like in this one, the psalm points you back to the Old Testament, and there's the epistle reading, and then the Alleluia verse and verse, or the track of the sequence, point you to the gospel. So they kind of foreshadow what's going to, what you're going to hear in the gospel. Make sense? All right, yeah. So like today's track, I don't have a bulletin. Here's a bulletin. And dandy. The tract was, oh, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You've been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches for totters. That your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand, and answer us. All right, now the first part maybe had a little bit more to do with the previous readings, but the last part, this is exactly what the sower does. How does he sow the seed? With his hand. With his hand, right? Yeah. Uh, and of course, Jesus is the right hand of the Father, right? And he gives salvation from his own hand. Actually, even blood from his hands to give salvation. So you see that all there. That's what the. And then the sowing of the seed. Yeah, stay in here, Dorothy. The sowing of the seed is the sowing of the gospel, specific. All right? Uh, that was the assertion I tried to make for you today, just briefly at the end. But rather than it just being the word in a generic sense, it was specifically the gospel. Because the gospel is given to the whole world, right? And yet, only some will receive the gospel. Actually, most of the world receives the law. They have no problem with that. Um, I think Marla and I were talking about this week that in the, in the congregation I served in Chicago, we had Muslims in our school, and they had no problem being in our school. Um, they, they figured they'd correct the Jesus stuff at home, right? But the, but the stuff, regards to the law, like be decent people, actually we have that mostly in common with Islam. They're a little bit more strict than we are on a number of things, right? But overall, it's like, you know, be faithful in your marriage. They agree on that, right? Um, don't tell lies. Well, they mostly agree about that, <laughs> except for when it comes to, you can lie about being a Muslim um, if it means that you are able to infiltrate 
<laughs> Christian church. Yeah, so, so actually most of the world agrees on, on the, the law stuff. Love God, love your neighbor. It's the golden rule, right? Everybody agrees on that. Not everybody agrees upon who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And that's the thing that really distinguishes the different kinds of soil. Right? And that's, that's uh, Jesus' doing, and Jesus is the one who can do anything about it, too. So, anyway. All right, so hallelujah. Um, comes after the epistle, before the gospel. We stand and sing hallelujah, right? It comes in different forms. Uh, when we get to sing it again at Easter, we'll sing it three times. And then I sing a verse, or if we had a choir, the choir would sing the verse. And then you sing hallelujah three times, more times after that. And, if, and actually during festival season, sometimes you do it nine times. Three times, there'd be half of a verse, and then another three, and then another half a verse, and then another three. Because you haven't been singing hallelujah for, you know, four or seven weeks, you're ready to sing it a lot. Right, yeah, let it, let, yeah, got to make up for it, that's right, that's right. So, uh, but at least, usually at least three, and then, you know, Holy Trinity stuff. And then if there's a verse, maybe another three to respond to it. We say hallelujah, second paragraph. For a reason. We do not just say praise the Lord because it sounds nice. <laughs> we say hallelujah, praise the Lord, because we hear of the great things the Lord has done for us. All right, so what sort of things has the Lord done for us? We're going to skip around here. Again, hallelujah is straight out of the Psalms. All right, you sometimes see people saying hallelujah in the Gospels, but largely it's, it's the song of praise from the Gospels. Hi. It's often like they, they ran around praising the Lord after yep. a miracle. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, but it doesn't tell you what words they said. Oh, oh. I know, it sounds like awesome. Why did it not go there? Did I not type enough? Psalm 33, there we go. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. There's a lot of things that aren't beautiful in this world, but praising the Lord is beautiful. Right, today was a beautiful day. Uh, praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with the instrument of ten strings. I'm thinking of the twelve-string guitar, right? This is not a guitar. <laughs> uh, or guitar, as they say. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For, here's the reason, the word of the Lord is right or correct. And all his work is done in truth. Jesus. Yes, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. All right, so what, what are the reasons why we praise the Lord there? That, yeah, it's true, it's right, it's good, it's beautiful, right? Um, and, of course, God, through his word, loves righteousness. That's right doing. Right? And the only righteousness that we know um, is the righteousness of Christ. Okay? Even when we, so the Bible's clear about this. When we are righteous, it's only because Christ is, Christ's righteousness is given to us. Okay? Righteousness, justice, same story. People say there's no justice in this world, and they're absolutely right. Any kind of justice you see in this world is always a pale imitation of the last judgment, ultimately. Right? So we, uh, who was it that, oh, it was the, uh, the woman that accused uh, Jean-Luc Brunel, you know this guy? Yeah, he was, he was the French uh, contemporary to um, 
to whoever didn't hang himself. Yeah, Epstein. Guess what uh, Jean-Luc Brunel did? Somehow died in prison. Go figure. Um, he was, yeah. Anyway, uh, one of his, his accusers, the, the one had got him in prison. He was in prison because of it, for her accusation, uh, which was found truthful, and she settled out of court with Prince Andrew, huh, who's no longer prince as a result. Um, yeah, she, she, she remarked about this on, online. Just, you know, I mean, I would have preferred to see him, you know, appear before court. Um, but it is a kind of justice. I thought it was kind of interesting that she said that. It is a kind of justice. Anyway, um, but again, it's not, it's not the same. Because what we want to see is everybody get what's coming to them. Unless it's us. Of course. No, then not. No. Not for the five felonies I've already committed today. No. All right. Uh, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So we have truth, rightness, or righteousness, goodness. We also have beautiful, right? Our praise is beautiful. This is essential for us as Christians, I think. I've been thinking about this this week. Is it? Um, we, have to, we have to be, I especially, I have to be more intentional about promoting what is good, right, and beautiful. Because there's a lot that isn't. Truthful. So good, right, truthful, beautiful. Um, it's easy to dwell on the negativity because we're surrounded by it. And I'm not saying those things don't exist, but you... There's a way that when you only talk about what's ugly, you become ugly yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is always a challenge for, oh, it's like people working in prisons. They're surrounded by just terrible, not only terrible people, but terrible things are happening. And then it's like you, prison guards will talk about this. I, I remember hearing an interview with, Turned out that he converted to be a Christian and then joined a Missouri Synod Church, so interviewed on one of our radio stations. And uh, he was just talking about how he could no longer serve in prison ministry because his faith was in contradiction to the things that you would do in order to survive as a, as a, um, a guard in a prison. Pretty incredible, right? Not really a place of righteousness and justice. And so he was talking about how it had corrupted him, you know, being around the ugly and the falsehood and everything. He ends up ta- you end up taking it on yourself. Just kind of like, uh, anybody see Sicario? Yeah, I was talking about drug running across the Mexico border, right? And, uh, you know, you work for the CIA and you're trying to stop the thing, but you end up kind of doing it too. <laughs> and it's like, that's how it, it's just gross. It's just gross. All right. Uh, so those are good reasons. How about some more reasons? Psalm 106. I suppose I could have assigned this and had you do the work. Or we can just do this. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for... He is good, for his mercy endures forever. Those are pretty good reasons, right? He's good, his mercy endures forever. No one is good but but God, yeah, but Jesus. So people say, well, this is you know, really good. You kind of mean it's satisfying, it's pleasurable, you know, it meets some kind of need, but um, only God can make it good. So believing that it came from him, giving thanks to him for it, is what makes it good. Yeah, Paul does this with uh, food sacrifice to idols. You think, oh, that's just like, you can't eat meat sacrificed to idols, which was common in their day. They had these temples and lots of things being sacrificed. And then you go to the market and it was just the meat that was, had been sacrificed. And, oh, it's on my conscience, you know. And Paul's like, no, nah, just pray over it. Give thanks to God for it. Reclaim it as just God's good giving. Just pray over it and you'll be fine. Isn't that interesting? 
All right, that's what makes it good is, is the thanks. That's why we pray before our meals, right? Uh, like my one professor, now deceased, may he rest in peace, Kurt Marquardt said, why don't we, he had some kind of strange accent because he was from Australia, but he had a British accent. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know the story, but uh, he's like, you know, when we go to Applebee's, he loved going to Applebee's. <laughs> Very strange man. He also wore, he also wore like FUBU, you know, the, like the track clothing that, that's largely African-Americans wear. Anyway, very strange man. But uh, he was like, why do, why do we wait to pray until after we've had all those drinks? We should probably pray over the drinks first, right? So maybe say your prayer when you sit down at the bar before you get seated at your table. I thought it was pretty wise advice. All right. Uh, Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And then why? The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them, which is what we're doing. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He's declared to his power to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. So we got all sorts of stuff there, right? It's okay. She's just exploring. She might explore too far. We'll see. All right, so what are some of the reasons why we praise the Lord there? For his works and his, well, it's a lot of his works, isn't it? The stuff he does, right? It's great. Do we study all the works of the Lord? Yes. The flood, the creation, the deliverance from Egypt. Study anything without studying the works of the Lord, right? I like it. Even if you are running the CERN uh, particle accelerator in Switzerland? Yeah. When you're smashing very small particles together at very high speeds to see what happens? Who made the particles? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Good. Right. Somebody asked me, like, why bother? Oh, actually, I won't say who because she'd be upset with me. And uh, yet, it's like, I'm like, we should just go to, I, we're, we were sitting at the restaurant. You were there. They're like, looking out. There's the, the moon. I was like, why don't we go there? Why don't we go there again? Why are we doing it down here? Let's go up there again. It's like, well, why? What's there? It's just a rock. Yeah, it's just a rock on space, but let's go check it out. Why not? God made it. Studied by all who have pleasure in them. I like the moon. I want to go see what's more. I want to see, what, see more about it. Yeah, we're just sitting down here. Did we ever really go there? That's the question, isn't it? That's a joke. It's the same thing people say. Why do we want to go to Mars? Why not? Well, it's going to cost so much money. So what? You can't take it with you anyway. <laughs> just go check out Mars if you can. Why not? Oh, doesn't that seem like fun? I don't know. That, that Christians are inherently curious. Because, because we believe what Gabe has, has already suggested, right? Is that the whole world is God's creation. It's marvelous to our eyes, right? So why not go explore, you know? Science is, is beautiful when it's not used as a tool of tyranny, but when rather it's used, you know, just to learn more about what God has done. Yep. His work is honorable and glorious. Uh, his righteousness endures forever. That's Jesus. Wonderful works to be remembered. Of course, his wonderful works here in particular that he's talking about is not creation, but this is a little bit that the psalmist is getting ahead of the story a little bit. Just let her play in the bag. What's in here that she can get in trouble for? 
give her the animal crackers. All right, there you go, Dorothy. There you go. Do what you want. Yeah, there you go. See, it's not rocket science. Yeah, but I'm trying to teach class. I don't want to do two things at once. Good. Psalm 117. Go jump there if you've got a hymnal or a Bible or a book that has things in it. Ah, that's a long one. <laughs> Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Why? For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. This is one of the Hillel Psalms. So when they were on Palm Sunday, marching up to the Temple Mount, Jesus on the donkey, the palm branches, you know the story, right? This is one of the ones they would have been singing, singing by heart, memorized just for the occasion. So think about that in regards to Jesus coming into the holy city. His merciful kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Yeah, that's a good reason to pray. All right, turn the page. Oh my, we have a bunch more. Yeah, it's okay. We can keep going. Another hello, another song. 118. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Right. Yeah, steadfast loving kindness. The, the word for mercy there is not that word. Why are you showing? Show me the. Show me the. Oh, well. Such, oh, because I'm not in the foreign version. It says love, yeah, and I was going to say it's the chesed, which is a fun word to say, chesed, especially easy if you got a little post-nasal drip, yeah, chesed, which is the steadfast loving kindness, or mercy, if you want it short. I like steadfast loving kindness, mercy. I like to put it all together, just so you can kind of get the full flavor for that one little word, yeah, yeah, and you notice how many times I say it, over and over and over. All right, Psalm 135. Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, O you servants of the Lord. I'm getting a hand. These are all psalms of praise, aren't they? You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord. Why? For he is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. Yeah. No, I have to think about his name being pleasant. I was thinking about the psalm today. There was a verse in there that I thought was a little odd. And since we're talking about psalms, we might as well. Psalm 84, right? Where was it? Yeah, verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young even at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And I couldn't help but think about how the bat was flying around in church that one time. <laughs> You thought about like why we don't let the birds nest in our in our altar? Isn't that what it's saying? The swallow and the sparrow find a home in the at the altar of the Lord with the hmm. that, that and you know what the confession is here in the psalm is that all creation finds its hope, its fulfillment, its understanding at the altar. The altar is where everything makes sense. Isn't that interesting? So even creation, which is longing with eager expectation for the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, is looking to the altar as Jesus redeems all creation. So even the sparrow and the swallow are looking for that too. Of course, then it's, ironically, the sparrow and the swallow get sacrificed and their blood gets poured on the altar, but let's not get too in-depth on that. Now we're getting a little bit bloody. Okay, uh, where were we? 
147, is that next? Yeah. All right, good. Praise the Lord. Oh, that sounds familiar. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Right? So having people in church singing and praising is beautiful. I don't know. I feel that way about it, right? It's pleasant. Mm-hmm. I think. It wouldn't be the same without it. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same without it. That's right. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the out- together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Right? So we have that. Jesus gathering the nations. That's why he sows his seed everywhere, by the way. Right? By the way, that should affect how we think about like missionary activity. Do we get to pick what kind of soils, where, the, where we sow the seed, where, where the soil is going to receive the word? Do we even know? Like, can I look in your heart and say, hmm, you look rocky today? <laughs> here's, here's the other interesting thing. I've never preached this before, but I thought about it. Here's the other problem. You can't even look at your own heart and be honest about it. Because if you look at your heart, you'll say, oh, I'm good soil, and you're lying. I'm rocky, uh, but I'm going to take care of it. No, you're also lying. Maybe you're all four kinds of soil at the same time. This is where these parables, you know, eh, they get a little bit, and it's like, eh, actually, the, the character of the soil isn't the point. It's that Jesus gives you his word, right? And then he's going to take care of it. I have preached that before where he, what does he do to a rocky soil? He breaks it into pieces, right? What's he do to the thorns and thistles? He roots them out. That's right, right? So it, not only does he sow the seed, but he also prepares the soil to receive him, right? Anyway, that's another story for another time. It's a rich text, right? Yeah. Uh, where are we? 150. Oh, we're getting towards the end. How about the last psalm in the book? Yeah, the last psalm. It's a good place to end, right? Uh, verse 1 and 2. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. I love that word. It's all the stuff up. up, up. <laughs> praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent good greatness. All right. His mighty acts, right? So this is why we read the history of Israel, because that's the history of our people. It's the history of God bringing about salvation for us. It's his mighty acts, right? You're okay, Dorothy. You tripped on something. It's no big deal. All right. Um, That's also why we read the Acts of the Apostles. Actually, we don't read that too much. We probably should. All right, the Acts of the Apostles, how God spins out the Christian church in the world from the 12 apostles out, right? You can get this a little bit in all the epistles. Speaking of epistles, yeah, that was last week. All right, you don't have to write a summary. Why might it be good to sing Alleluia just before hearing the gospel? What were all the things that we give thanks or praise for? Jesus. His works, truth, goodness, beauty. What else did we say? No, I, mercy, we talk mercy, gracious, full of compassion. Well, it's true, his mighty works. Yeah, yeah. He gives food to those who fear him. He answers our prayers. He saves us. He is righteous. He gives us his righteousness. Right. All the things that we gave praise to him for, thank him for, in the Alleluia verse, maybe even in the track, like today, are the things that Jesus does for us. So they're fulfilled in Christ, in the gospel. All right, now, one thing we have to note about here when we talk about gospel, which we're going to do now, 
is it describes the first four books of the gospel of the New Testament. It describes the New Testament as a whole, but it also specifically or narrowly defined as the work of Jesus to save us from our sins. So you have that really narrow kind of meaning, gospel, salvation from sins. Broadly speaking, a gospel is a book of the salvation of Jesus Christ, but obviously other things too, history and whatnot. And then broadly speaking, the gospel is the New Testament. Have you heard that before? All right. Uh, by the way, when, when about Easter time, National Geographic, as they do every year, will post a story about, or print a story about how we found another gospel, Thomas or some Mag, Mary Magdalene's gospel or something. And then you go read it, and it has nothing of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. So really, can you call it a gospel? Never mind whether it's historically true or verifiable or any of that, which is also a problem. If there's no good news in it, then you can't call it a gospel. God's spell, God's word. All right. Uh, during the Alleluia verse, we stand up because we've been sitting too long. <laughs> Time to stretch calisthenics. Stand up for the Holy Gospel because the Holy Gospel is not like the Old Testament reading or the epistle. So using your body to actually make a confession of what we believe, right? We do this all sorts of different ways, bowing, standing, sitting, folding our hands, opening our hands, making the sign of the cross, uh, where we are in the sanctuary, moving from the back to the front, all these sort of things confess something about, um, hopefully something that's immediately obvious and not just something that we're guessing about. All right, so we stand because the gospel has that reverence. Um, although in a prayer office, we don't often stand for gospel, like in Matins or Vespers or something like that. Anyway, especially, but in the divine service. How is the Holy Gospel different from the Old Testament reading or the epistle? Huh. Old Testament epistle are good, right? They speak of Christ, but the difference in the gospel reading is going to be, yeah, it's good news, and sometimes. It's the words of it's the, it's the verbatim words of Jesus or the actions of Jesus in specific. So, yeah, either the fulfillment of the Old Testament by word or deed. Um, the epistle is usually explaining what Jesus did, but there's specifically red letter. Here's Jesus doing and saying and speaking and acting. You know, a lot of times in the Old Testament, you've been pointing out that it is Jesus hmm? speaking. Yeah, like today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who, who's Isaiah talking about with sowing the seed and giving bread to the eater? I'm talking about Jesus putting the gospel in your heart, right? Making it plant, grow and nurturing it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, there is a differentiation there. Holy Gospel may come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. In the one-year series, it's primarily Matthew and John, although there's some Mark and Luke. We had Luke today. All right. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't read from a different gospel, but that's just where the emphasis is. Think of, the go of a gospel where Jesus is there, but he does not speak. All right. Can you think of one? We just went through this season. What? Like? You mean an actual gospel? No, a gospel reading in church, like a Sunday gospel. I'll give you a hint, you know, whatever. Eight pound, four ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> he wasn't saying much. <laughs> the hymn's wrong, no crying he made, but you get the idea, right? It, yeah, it was actually it was it was of Christ, um, but he wasn't saying anything there. 
The angel spoke for him at his birth, right? Yeah. And the shepherds and others. Yeah. Does that make sense? So we have actual readings where it's Jesus doing something or something's happening, but he's not actually speaking. That would, the birth narratives are those. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. There's still gospel, though. Still good news. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. What? I can't remember the weight. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I haven't actually seen the whole movie. I only watched the clip. I think it was six pound eight ounces. Yeah. Seven pounds? Seven pounds? It's a quote from a movie. Little baby Jesus. He's Will Ferrell. They're, they're saying the prayer. Yeah, and that's where he prays. What does he say for his gorgeous, or his hot, smoking hot wife? He says that in his prayer. It's a little irrelevant. Irrelevant? Yeah, also that. Irreverent. You do? I haven't. Okay, uh, most often the sermon would be based on the gospel. Today we actually did a lot of backward legwork from the Old Testament and the epistle to kind of get us to the point where we could actually understand maybe what the gospel was doing. We had to understand that God was working with his word. Um, I could have done more on law gospel, but you've heard that so many times. Um, just a little bit today. All right, turn the page, 27. We saw that we praise the Lord because he is good and brings salvation. In the Holy Gospel, we hear Jesus speaking, and we hear of the good gifts that Jesus brings, us. The word gospel comes from the Greek word oiangelion. You want to say that? Oiangelion, yeah. Yeah, it is. This word means good news. We also see evangelical. Yeah, see? The U becomes a V. The word gospel comes from an old Germanic word, good spiel. And then, of course, Anglo-Saxon, et cetera, et cetera. Spiel means message or speech, right? A story. Here again, gospel means good message. All right, now you know. Here's a summary of some of the things that we hear from the Holy Gospel. The stories of Jesus' birth, baptism, last supper, trial, death, and resurrection. The parables of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the sermons and words of Jesus. That's a pretty good summary of the categories. That's right. Yeah, kind of those four. So we had a parable today. Uh, we've had some miracles, right? We had the wedding, wedding at Cana, water into wine. Right? In the summertime, we hear lots of sermons, right? Just teachings. Because of original sin, we are all born in bondage to sin, death, and devil. Jesus comes to free us from our bondage. During his life, Jesus brought good news to those who were in bondage to sin, death, and the power of the devil. We say, we say that twice. He forgave people's sins. He healed them of their diseases and even raised the dead. He cast out demons from those who were possessed by demons. I think we need to relearn that art. I've done it. Yeah. Kids asked about this too. I think there's an awareness that there's mm, powers and principalities in having these places at work amongst us. You know, always have to be hesitant about this. You don't call somebody a demon, but they can be demon-possessed, right? So everybody that you meet is, um, I suppose unless they're disguised as a person, but um, the demons always possess something or somewhere. Like they go from the, the legion, go from the men and to the pigs, but they have to be in something, which is kind of weird. Yeah, or a place. We have places are haunted by demons. They say, oh, they're haunted by ghosts. They're haunted by demons. Be very clear here. Right? And that's why we go and exercise those places. You buy a new house, have me come and uh, do a little... I needed to do that at the hotel I stayed at the other day. Did you really? Oh, yeah. For real? Oh, yeah. It was weird. Really? It's like, 
Just got a weird vibe? Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, there were signs. Okay. Anyway, I don't have to go into detail. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, pray over it, right? Ask the Lord to bless the use of the space and not to hurt or harm you. All right. So, um, Isaiah 61. Let's look at that. Again, we're looking, we're going to dig more into the Gospels next time, but um, this is just kind of a broad summary, right? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Isaiah speaking, okay? But what's, uh, but any of the prophets, I mean, Jesus is the final prophet, so you could say this is upon Jesus too. So imagine it both ways, on, on Isaiah or upon Jesus, who is the prophet who is to come, right? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, baptism, this sounds like a dove, right? Because the Lord has anointed me, baptism, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is sounding less like Isaiah and more like Jesus all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, that's to replace their ashes with beauty, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Ooh, kind of feels that way sometimes, right? Got the whole world on your shoulders kind of thing, or I don't know, life is weighing you down, isn't that what we say? Yeah, spirit of heaviness. Uh, that they may be called trees of righteousness, Ooh. the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That connects well with today. The plant, you are the planting of the Lord. Right? The seed that was sown in the world. Good. All right. So what's the anointed one going to do? All sorts of stuff, right? Preaching. Good tidings to the poor. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. Right? I only know that from watching the greatest Christmas pageant ever. Peanuts. What? Peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> or peanuts, true, that's right. You know you had to fight for that, to get that in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. All right, why is your heart broken? Because of... Rebellious, yeah, rebellion against God. So he heals that with forgiveness. Proclaim liberty to captives, again, in slavery to sin and death. And he sets you free, opening the prison to those who are bound. I thought about this with Paul in the, in the jail, right? And the angel opens the doors, and he, they just sit there with the doors standing open. So I think it's, I don't, I mean, obviously, they're, they're looking out for the jailer. They want to preserve the jailer's life, which is why they don't run away, right? But how often this happens with animals, right? You open the gates and they just stand there looking like we're supposed to be in the pen. Oh. Right, so we've been set free and yet we live like we're still enslaved. Yeah, huh. nothing to worry about. Open. Proclaiming again, like preaching, the acceptable year of the Lord. We live in the eternal day. We live... We already live now in the kingdom of God and the church. We already live in the day of the resurrection. All sin is forgiven. Um, new life is ours. 
And yet again, we like to, we like to focus on our flesh a lot rather than focus on those high beam. Uh, let's see. And then you see all this reversal language, right? Comforting those who mourn, consoling those who mourn, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So he's reversing, taking what is not good, right, true, and beautiful, and giving us what is. It's the purpose of the gospel. Right? Right. Uh, Matthew 9, we'll look at that. So we'll look at a specific occasion here of some preaching. Oof. Yeah, so this is, this is a general description. Everybody there? Yeah, you see something similar in Matthew, I think, but the Mark one here is pretty good. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. All of them? All of them. Teaching in their synagogues, right? Why? Because what would you find in the synagogue? Hmm? Not priests, rabbis, but specific, more specifically, what, what was the synagogue for? Worshiping, hearing. hearing the word, right, the scriptures. So he would go to the synagogue and he would say, the scripture, you see this, like in the temple, the scripture which you just heard is fulfilled now in your hearing. I'm the fulfillment of what you just heard in church. He would do that. <laughs> you heard this read? That's me. That'd blow your mind, wouldn't it? I've been hearing this since I was a baby, and now you're telling me you're the, you're the fulfillment of that scripture. But that's what he did. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, that's forgiveness of sins in his name. And where there's forgiveness, there's life and salvation, right? Healing every sickness and every disease among the people, right? So where the gospel goes, also goes healing. We kind of lost this. We've talked about this before. Didn't we talk about this recently? That we really don't believe that the gospel can provide healing? that it preserves your life for its own sake so that you can continue to proclaim his good news? Anyway. Yeah, we act like, you know what we need to heal? We need doctors. We need pharmaceuticals. Well, doctors and pharmaceuticals are a useful tool. Under faith. Yeah, used, used under trust in God, right? In submission. Right, so you would pray that God use the physician to bring you healing. You pray that God use the pharmaceutical to bring you healing. But it's God the one, you acknowledge God's the one who brings healing. Okay. Um, I'll believe that with pharma, right? Okay, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he, had, he was moved with compassion for them. So uh, compassion comes from the gut. You ever had that churning feeling in your gut, right? Where it's just emotion wells up from. That's what that's what's being described there. You want to know the Greek because it's so much fun. You already know it. I've heard it. I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't remember what what form of speech it's in here, but the the participle is splagizomai. Splunkna is the verb. Splunkna. It's that. It's onomatopoeia. You know what that is. That's where the word. Sounds like what it sounds like in real life. Splunkna. Got it? Yeah, so he's moved with compassion. Yeah. It comes deep from within, like vomit. All right, there, I just said it. Um, so he's, he's got that deep-seated, you know, emotion, passion, 
yeah, desire for them because, notice why, they were weary and scattered. Oh, weary. Like sheep having no shepherd. Or just tired. Just tired. Then he said to his disciples, ah, we heard this in the prayer of the church today. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Quoted that in the prayer today. There it is. All right, so what was Jesus preaching? The gospel, the good spell, spiel, good spell of the kingdom. All right. Uh, And then what else was Jesus doing? Yeah, healing and sicknesses and diseases, right? And then what does verse 36 say about Jesus? Moved with compassion, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, if you want to apply the sermon today, you could do it here. You could say, what's the kind of Jesus that most people think they're going to meet when they come to church? A Jesus that's moved with compassion for them, that heals them of their diseases, their sicknesses, that preaches good news to them? Because mm-hmm. that's the Christians they usually meet. Right. And the problem with judgment is people think that means you're judgmental. The problem with our judgment is we often just end it with judgment and never say, and Jesus died for you. Jesus came to forgive you. Just to tell somebody they're a sinner, that's pretty easy because we know our sin well enough that we can accuse others of it. But that's that's where they think our preaching is going to end. One of the reasons why the sacrament is celebrated every, every Sunday is so that no matter what you thought coming in, Jesus' words ring true, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Here it is. Don't believe me? I'm attaching it to bread and wine. Okay, it's right here. Put it in your mouth. Or let the pastor put it in your mouth, as the case may be. All right? So that you have confidence, trust that you know. Right? That was another way he sows the gospel in your heart today. Right? So that even, even if you had doubt of your own worthiness and you know, all the ways that we come to think that maybe it's not for us. So, yeah, the gospel... Um, the gospel hopefully predominates in preaching. It was a little, we, little light today, maybe, but um, but it certainly does in the liturgy. If you haven't seen that already, right? Uh, I've been struggling with this question, and I finally have the answer in my head. Um, why don't we actually confess the Ten Commandments in church? We confess the creed. We confess the Lord's Prayer. We confess baptism. We com- confess the sacrament of the altar. We c- we confess our sins for forgiveness. We don't confess the Ten Commandments as part of the divine service. Why is that? There is one, uh, there's service of prayer and preaching, which is like a chapel service. It's good for the kids to recite it. But why are there no Ten Commandments in the service? It's this point. What's the purpose of the divine service? Jesus comes, moves with compassion, heals your sicknesses and your diseases. It's about the gospel from beginning to end. You do get a little bit right before service starts where you say, I'm a poor, miserable sinner and I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Right? There's opportunity to examine your heart according to the Ten Commandments. They're still true. But the gospel finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Or excuse me, the law finds its end in Jesus. The gospel is fulfilled in Jesus. So the end of the law is right where Jesus starts. There's no more need for the law when Jesus comes. I know this bugs people. It's like, well, but the Ten Commandments are so helpful. Well, they are helpful but not to make you a Christian. Never were. Never promised. Do this and you'll live. 
or as the hymn says, um, it was a false and misleading dream that we ourselves could redeem, that God himself and the law had given. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a trick. Jesus tricked you a little bit. Here's this law, do this and you'll live. You're supposed to say, uh, I can't do that. And they say, that's why you need to look to me. Anyway. All right, so they, again, this is what people are scared of at church, right? That they're going to be judged, right? And it's true, the law does judge them, but they come here to be forgiven. That's why we come. So you want to emphasize that. That's why I always ask the confirmation kids, thanks, Mariah. I always ask the confirmation kids, why do you go to church? And they say, because mom and dad make me. I said, that's perfectly fine for right now, but it's not going to work in the long run. It's not going to be acceptable. When you're outside of your parents' umbrella of authority, you're going to, that's not going to hold up. Why do you go to church? To have the gospel preached to you for forgiveness, right? Yeah, for the gifts. To have your baptism recalled, but you not forget, right? To remember the great works of God, to give him thanks for all of his goodness, right? So, and it's a, it's a place where we receive. It's not a place where we have to do anything. I know that always is discouraging for people like congregation presidents who want more volunteers. It's, that's not what it's about. If you have volunteers, they volunteer because out of the goodness of their heart, as we say, right? That is the goodness that Christ has implanted in them. All right, children, don't distract us. We're almost done. I think that didn't really... Oh, that was Matthew 9. Sorry, I said Mark 9. It was Matthew. Matthew 11. All right. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. All right. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, so clearly he still has his head, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Right, the coming one. And he's got lots of references there if you need those. Jesus answered and said to him, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. So you'll hear this reading in Lent. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. This is all Isaiah 61. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Oh, there it is. What's the offense? Is the law going to be the offense? This is my assertion today. Uh, maybe the commandments one through three are a little offensive for some. The law isn't offensive to people. They don't necessarily agree with it, but it doesn't offend them. If you tell them, you know, marriage is between a male and a woman, they'll just be like, yeah, whatever. I don't agree with you. Or maybe they make your life hard. But, but to say to them there's salvation in nobody but Jesus alone, that's the most offensive thing we can say. So you have to be blessed to not be offended. How does Jesus bless you? By preaching to you, right? Which is what he does here. What, who fulfills Isaiah's prophecy? According to Jesus? He does. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, but then notice what's preached to the poor. Yeah, the gospel is preached to them. What, what does he mean by poor? I suppose poverty could be very broad, right? Um, you think of like the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in, in spirit, yeah, right? Holy in spirit. Holy spirit, yeah. There's all sorts of poverty though, right? I mean, there's, 
I think our, our hearts are, are what, how does the scripture say? They're longing, our hearts long, like, like a deer pants in the, in the, for, for, springs of, yeah, for springs of water. That's the kind of poverty that it's talking about. Just like that hunger and thirst for righteousness, to have your sin answered for and to live freely again, you know? That's what the good news is supposed to do. Like, oh, good. Right. I could have done more on like how not to, I had plenty of examples of how not to use the word. We could have had a whole other part to the sermon, but I recognized that yeah, it, was, it, was, it was time to be done. Yep. Um, you know, but how, how do we use words rightly? Well, and that's what we were saying at the beginning of Bible class. Speak what is true according to God's word. What is good? That is from God. What is beautiful? What God has made, right? How he has ordered things. Think on these things, right? Instead of taking words and trying to use it to create your own new realities, which are always ugly. It's just gross. What, like, what was I, I was hearing an interview about, um, there were 16 new um, sex change hospitals or clinics or whatever in Texas last year. 16 new ones, all targeted for young people under 18. Like, that's not beautiful. It's not good. It's certainly not true. And like, you've seen the, the transgender people. They're not beautiful. I'm sorry. They don't, uh, now I got banned off YouTube. But it's not beautiful. It's gross. That's gross. You know, so we have a problem with that. Anyway, uh, and then where will the gospel be preached? You can guess, because you heard the sermon today. Yeah, to everyone, to everyone, all nations, all generations, all people. The gospel preached, right? They all have the law. It's written in their hearts. You might preach Jesus, you know, the law according to Moses, in particular, prepare for the gospel, but that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Yeah, if they, say, if they don't say, I'm a sinner, then, you know, here's the law, here's what God's word says. Okay, I'm a sinner, now the gospel. And we leave it there. Um, the worst kind of sermon, the worst kind of preaching, just to end on this point, is what... Uh, Maybe you've heard me say it. Gospel. You heard gospel. Gospel. Excuse me. Law. Gospel. Law. So it ends on law, right? So it goes like this: You're a sinner according to the law. Jesus died for you to forgive your sins. Now you go and do this, which is just law. That's more law. Go and do something. No, that's not the gospel anymore, and it undermines everything you just said every time. Go, go and serve the Lord, and you're like, well, that's more law. I know it's supposed to be gospel, but it's not. It's not good news. Not go, good news. It's not. Go forgiven in Jesus' name. His face look upon you. Be gracious to you. Have mercy upon you. All the way. Those are the last words you hear from Jesus mercy in the church. Service, right? Not go, even go in peace. But if you say serve the Lord, you just cut the knees right out. Wait, not <laughs> cut the knees. What's the expression? Yeah, you've cut them down right at the knees. Isn't that the expression? Yeah. Okay. All right, children, can you fold your hands? And not, not be distracting? Yeah. We're all adults, though. We don't get distracted. That's right. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed your son Jesus to us as the fulfillment uh, of all the hopes and dreams of the Old Testament prophets and the psalmist. Uh, we ask that you would, by your spirit, direct our hearts, our desires towards Jesus to receive from him every good thing, everything that is beautiful, and all that is true. Uh, work this in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Yeah, you're welcome.